0: If you don't know your purpose, you don't understand wh- what you enjoy doing and love doing, then it's going to be hard for you to start a business.
1: So is that is that where somebody would start if they're trying to yeah. find their purpose?
0: They need to start with finding their purpose because I wish I did it ages ago. But the thing is, the, the industry that I'm in, it changes so much. <laughs>
1: Today's guest is a serial entrepreneur on a mission to help entrepreneurs disrupt the education system and impact more people globally. In the past 12 months, him and his business partner, Ray Pang, have built a 7-figure marketing and sales company called Speaker Agency that helps 7- and 8-figure entrepreneurs develop their coaching businesses and amplify their brand using relationship-driven marketing and sales strategies. Some of his clients being Jason Stone, the founder of Millionaire Mentor, and Joel Brown, the founder of Addicted to Success, and having managed Jordan Belford himself, the Wolf of Wall Street. Always having the desire to be an entrepreneur, but being held back by his limiting beliefs of not being confident enough, he doubted his ability. He decided that if he didn't learn how to build this confidence and networking skills, then it's going to be a very hard journey. Thrown himself in the deep end in the nightclub industry where he was forced to host guests and run events for celebrities such as Chris Brown, Usher, Stevie Wonder and even Snoop Dogg. He learned a unique ability where he was able to read people's body languages which has helped him tremendously in the world of business. He's gone on to build and sell built and sold multiple seven-figure businesses over the past two decades which has put him in a unique position as the go-to expert when it comes to branding, marketing sales and business so please help me welcome the guy who went from loading semi trailers for his dad's company at a young age to now having more freedom more income and more impact than he's ever had by helping inspire and educate millions of people across the globe with his agencies my boy
0: hey mr wade fox <laughs> what an intro
1: <laughs> that was a long <laughs> i was sitting here in my mouth like Oh my God. Where's the water? <laughs> I can't even can take the time out. Ah, But um, that is a long intro because the funny thing is, the first thing I just want to ask you, you're old.
0: <laughs> Fuck you. I don't look it. But,
1: so you are, it was 40, 41. 41, but you yeah. look 25. We just had our team <laughs> say you look 25 years old. But first thing off the cuff, how do you look 25 when you're 41
0: years old? Well, keeping healthy. Didn't drink until my 30s no drugs and just basically like one mentor I had, he was an older Asian guy. He was like about 80 and I was like, how old are you? He's like, looks like he's probably 50. And I was like, how do you keep so young? He's Asian, but yeah. But I was like, how do you you stay so young? He goes, I hang out with younger people. Mm. I'm like, why? Why does that work? And I'm like, you think about it. You go, if you hang out with younger people, they're going to stimulate your mind more. They're going to stimulate your body more by actually being more energetic. Like look at Ray, my business partner. How much fucking energy comes out of him? He's a kid. He's a kid. <laughs> he's a kid. <laughs> <laughs> but he makes me drive for more for life. Mm-hmm. So then I train every day. I like educate myself every, every day as your mind stimulated. So I think that's like the secret of life is when you stop training your muscle, body, mind, anything, it goes to flab. Yeah. Your skin, your body, everything. So that, I think that's the secret of being looking young.
1: I love it. I, I even heard Bob Proctor say that as well. He, hmm. Bob Proctor is like 86 or something and I was live students event he did. It was a five-day event and he's like, all my team are in their 30s. He's like, let's yeah. hang around young people. I'm not I'm not. not going to yeah. go to a retirement thing. So, <laughs> but I'd love to come back and talk about this. But So, what we're going to do, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have like some rapid-fire questions for you okay. so the listeners can kind of get to know you a little bit, learn some cool, fun things about you and we'll see where it goes, okay? Okay, okay. <clears throat> where did you grow up? Brisbane, Brisbane, but, Australia.
0: Yeah, Brisbane, Australia. But I actually had a pretty interesting young life because my mum was a surf babe. So she was like very coastal at the beach all the time. Dad came from a sugarcane farm. So basically, I had two lives I had the beach life and then I had the country life. So I'd spend my school holidays on a country farm, bait, like doing mustering, sheep, going to my family's sugarcane farm. And then in school time, you pretty much come back and play in your sports and doing like the coast life.
1: Yeah. I guess a very, very interesting back and forth. And where do you live now?
0: Gold Coast. You know, Australia. Gold Coast. Only place to be.
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, what's your favorite food?
0: Cheap food, definitely ice cream and donuts. Healthy food, <laughs> a good steak. I love it. I love
1: it. <laughs> I love it. Um, if you could have any type of superpower, what would it be?
0: Probably fly. You'd fly? Yeah.
1: I like it. Somebody asked me that actually the other day, and they're like, "What would you have?" And I said, first thing as well, like, "I'd fly," because I I hate having to travel. It's like I like I want time. Yeah. But then I thought, I was like, if I could have a superpower, it would be to be able to persuade and influence anybody. But you can do that now. Yeah, but to be like the absolute best, where like I could just get whatever the hell I want, be the absolute <laughs> best in the world at persuading, influencing, negotiating. Would you imagine what you could do? Yeah. Like Chris Voss. He'd
0: be like Chris Voss. <laughs> You're
1: going to have him on soon. Okay, what is your X Factor?
0: What do you mean by X Factor?
1: What is your unique ability that separates you from the
0: rest? My unique ability is to, under- like, to really um, see and judge someone. Not judge someone, but like, I don't know, like you either get a feeling about someone and understanding if they're a good person or a bad person, if it's a right connection or not. And I found like it was like my tuition. And I think that was like my X factor. Like for some reason, people would be like, how would you know that was going to happen? Like I've mm. had people like you would give them advice and they're like, it happened. How would you know? I'm like, well, it's just intuition. It's sort of like for me, sometimes it's like deja vu, you sort of dream sometimes something and you're like, "Hey, I'm getting deja vu. What was that thought? And then you go, it was that. And you tell them and it actually happens. Mm. And I've had many instances where things come true.
1: I like it. The intuition. What did you think about me when we first met?
0: <laughs> <laughs> you're just another ray full of fucking energy <laughs> i love it I'm not, I'm, <laughs> we'll leave it there we won't we won't we won't dig, dig deep into that one <laughs> uh what I can say what, more if you want <laughs> <laughs> we'll do that we'll off camera okay no what,
1: what was your dream job as a kid
0: my dream job as a or kid, career as a career um i always wanted to get into fashion i loved fashion wow. Fashion was good. Like, it was like designing. I was actually designing my own t shirts probably when I was about 18 and all that stuff, getting into screen printing and all that stuff. And I was got to a point where, like, yeah, I did a few things I could sell them, but because when I was doing e com, no one was buying online. Mm. Everyone was scared about using credit card online. They were scared of using PayPal because it was like fraud and all that type of stuff. But then Few years later, look, like, everyone's happy to spend on, on online now. Internet is like a new thing. I think it was nineteen ninety one. You're looking at, and then like mid nineties, no one really wanted to spend online.
1: Yeah, essentially, that's the mid nineties. I was, uh, I was uh, three years old. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Always ahead of the curve, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, who, who's someone who's inspired you to get to where you are, and why?
0: Uh Rob Kiyosaki uh was one of the first ones I actually learned from. Um and went deep in it too. Like it was it was good because when you start having a good understanding of like cash flow quadrant, it knows like you sort of understand the world, how it works. You go, okay, well, I'm either an employee, self-employed, a
1: business, or an investor. Explain this to us for so, the whole cash flow quadrant. Because I was even I was very curious. I was even thinking about it yesterday. I'm like, hmm. why do certain people thrive off having security and you know i mean like what really Mm. separates someone who has a job potentially with a dream to go do things and then what separates them from the people who execute on it Mm.
0: well that's a good question because like when you saw a guy with like robert kiyosaki teaches like when he's book, he goes okay and i had an incident where i had an ex-girlfriend um and she basically lost her job and she thought she had that job for life and I've always said to her, you need to make sure you have a backup plan or have something to really fall onto because you don't know when you're going to get fired because you might think you've got a secure job, you've got that ability to retire and you might get like a, uh early retirement from your, the company you work for, but they can fire you at any t- time. And you look at what COVID did. COVID forced so many people out of work and now they have to think, oh, fuck, what am I going to do now? And that's why I think it's like, with the cash flow quadrant, you have like your employee mindset, which is you're working for someone for the money, you're getting paid for the hours and all that type of stuff. Self-employed is you're still working for the hours, but you're working for yourself. But when you go to business, is when you run a business that actually runs by itself without you doing anything and it keeps growing. And then an investor is the other point where you can invest in properties and different other things. But it's like once you go from left side to right side, you've then become more of an entrepreneur. Where if you're self-employed, they say they're an entrepreneur, but they're not really because they're still employed by themselves. Mm, like
1: like OnlyFans girls saying that they're <laughs> entrepreneurs, <laughs> but they're really self-employed. Yes. <laughs> I like it. Um, <laughs> so, how, how can somebody, I guess, start to progress through this? Because is there something that you see that people do wrong? Because people do you hear the book or whatever. and they, yeah. Is there something you see people do wrong when it comes to actually building their wealth?
0: Building wealth is knowing your numbers. So know your numbers so then you can scale. Because if you don't know your numbers, how can you scale? Because you need to know for every $100 I spend and I make 1000 like say if you go, okay, if I sell something for $1,000, my costs overall would be, say, if it's 600 bucks, you got $400 profit. So then you know if you know your actual 100% cost and how much you get in return, you can scale them because you know that I've got $600 to budget with. Or if you need to employ more people, you go, hey, I can spend an extra $100 per product to employ someone else. To sell 10 more per month so then they know okay cool well you know your numbers and it makes it a lot easier for you to grow your business and that's what happens with self-employed a lot of people have that fear of allowing someone to help them and I always got taught like even if they do 80% what you can do it's better than you doing it mm. so you that's where you also need to have a process of how to train someone as well and how to get them trained up to get to your 80% of what your skill level is or what skill level you need for that role. And once you do that, you can just go again and again and again.
1: Yeah. So, it's about... Okay. So, scaling and everything. So, let's take somebody who's maybe listening to this and they're in a job. Mm. but They've got dreams and they're like, they understand they need to create money that works for them. Yeah. Passive income, leverage income, residual, something like that. What is kind of the flow, I guess? What's the progression of that? So, you went from hustling and hosting people like Will Am (laughs) and shit in nightclubs, building multiple businesses and get to where you are. So, I want to understand that. I would love to...
0: Well, the thing is like it's finding your purpose and it didn't take me until my probably late 30s to really find the true purpose. The way I mean... What do I mean about that? Like I've always been focused on the same thing I've always loved doing which is I love marketing and managing people. And so, when I had the club scene, I was managing the clubs. I was managing like celebrity acts coming into t- like town and then afterwards, I launched an influencer marketing agency and this is when Instagram sort of first came out. And you had the Molly agencies that basically would have girls that have ten, maybe 1,000 followers on Instagram, and then you have girls that have 100,000 followers. I would manage the girls that have 100,000 followers and say, hey, go to a, a fashion brand, go, hey, would you rather someone who's got 100,000 followers or someone who's got 1,000 followers and pay the same amount? And they'll go, oh, we'll pay f- the same amount to get someone who's got 100000 And then from there, we started signing more and more um, clothing brands. And then I thought, hey, if I invest in these girls, then I can grow the following to so a million, then they can charge more. But my flow of progress is like with my purpose, it was like I always enjoyed marketing, I always enjoyed the actual uh, managing people and helping things grow. But it wasn't until like after I sold out of um, my, like my influencer marketing agencies, I started realizing that, Nothing against influencers. They're all about themselves. Mm. They weren't helping anyone. So, for me, it was like, hang on. I'm not really aligned with what my purpose is. And I'm not getting satisfaction. You can take it on and then... Yeah, I'm not getting getting, getting satisfaction satisfaction from... now, when working I started working with, with Joel, people, I then had later no, on, I started looking like, at, you okay, like yeah, tuition kind of work with. and all that stuff. I, I started becoming goosebumps. friends with Joel Brown. And whenever I get goosebumps, and I, was I was like, look at how cool it's, this is actually really sure about sure to like make money. Right? It Dim either going to make money like you or like you're just, just doing something right. People. Yeah. If you, if you, fuck, I'm getting goosebumps now. Like when you start feeling, yeah, when you start feeling like goosebumps, I always say, you're doing something right then. And when I found that, it gave me more purpose like, okay, I'm going to start Speak Agency. And that Speak Agency then started and I started managing like Chase Hero, uh, Joel, and then I met Jason and all these other speakers. And when you work on them, it came this like just adrenaline rush every day to work. And so, with someone starting out, they need to find, okay, your purpose. And if you don't know your purpose, you don't understand what you enjoy doing and love doing then it's going to be hard for you to start a business.
1: So is that, is that where somebody would start if they're trying to yeah. find their purpose?
0: They need to start with finding their purpose because I wish I did it ages ago. But the thing is, the, the industry that I'm in, it changes so much. Because when we first started Speak Easy, we were many speakers to go on stage and like interview on podcasts and that stuff. But soon as March hit with COVID, which is just probably two months after we launched, everyone went online. Mm. I was like, hey, shit, I need to change the business model. We need to go online. We need to look at, okay, what's next? And we're like, okay, the speakers are now converting to online education. Look at what the trend is going to be in the future. Okay, the trend is definitely going to be online education.
1: Without a doubt.
0: It's why we started speaking. It's fuck the system. Like, it's fuck the nine-to-five work. It's fuck the education system. It's now people are learning that you need to learn from actual people who have done it. Like, I, I speak at, like, UQ and when i go and speak at unis like the, the actual lecturer doesn't know as much as what they should know it's very outdated and when i go in and teach about influencer marketing they're just like oh you did what i'm like mm. yeah i did like i had uh ufoods come to me and they go hey i've got a budget of sixty thousand dollars i spent on radio what can you do with it i said i can do a better job than what you're getting on radio i said i can be more targeted i can get better results it's all measured." did it in the first month, made way more money than what they would on radio. And then from there, we had a year contract with them and then we helped them then like onboard their own staff to then grow that. And it's just basically like you sort of got to look at when you find your purpose, you focus on one thing. Like I was always marketing and management, always like working with people. But because the industry changes, you sort of need to find that purpose in the right area. And that's where I sort of then eventually found that working with coaches yeah. actually helped me amplify my purpose more.
1: Do you think, because um, Instagram and influencer marketing has been a thing for a while, do you yep. do you think that's on the way out? If so, what do you think is coming next? Because like everyone's an influencer, everyone's promoting things and it can be quite saturated
0: these days, right? So Yeah, well, everyone is an influencer. Personal brand's important but you also got to have a business brand and create a community around it. So, that's why you got to work with both and have both them working together because no matter what, you're going to be influenced by someone else. It doesn't matter if they're a TV, reality TV show person or um, a biz- like a business coach or a spiritual coach. They're all going to influence you in some way. So the terminology is going to be changing probably instead of calling influencer. It might be called creator, mentor. Mm-hmm. It's just going to have a different name to represent the level of like an influence they have on you.
1: Yeah. Do you think there's, is there something that people should be focused on? So if they're thinking, I do want to create my influence more, do mm. you think Instagram's still a spot or is it getting into podcasting or is it where do you think it's kind of going?
0: So depending on like what business you want to do in the future, like, okay, say if you're a fashion brand and you're targeting the young teens, you'd probably shift to uh, Twitch, uh, TikTok, mm, TikTok yeah. all that type of stuff because that's like young teens and tw- young 20 year olds. But if you want to sort of go like our generation from like the, I don't know, late 20s to 30s, you'd probably go Instagram because most of that age group is on there. So, you go look at what demographic is on different channels and then go, okay, that's going to suit my business and that's going to suit my purpose. But also, you want to be like Gary Vee. He goes, you need to be across all because you don't know what's going to happen or not. Like Snapchat could be the blow up next or TikTok and then what happens is Instagram starts another <laughs> Little mm-hmm. feature and it does the same thing, but you don't know if it's going to do that. And that's why like Twitch is like becoming this really high trending stuff. Like we know girls are doing like $30,000 a month in revenue just from Twitch, just from filming live, them doing cooking and different things. It's not like they're doing any porn. It's just like them just being them. Mm-hmm. And so the whole reality TV show I think is shifting to social media. So TV is definitely on the way out. Yeah. And social media is going to be the new TV
1: yeah yeah i totally agree um dude so back to kind of like your whole sort of journey realizing that you didn't have much confidence mm. you really had to build up you know you, you're quite shy i'd like to know a few things here let's first go down how did you start to actually well what made you first go fire out i if i'm gonna be if i am gonna keep being shy it's probably not gonna really serve me mm. what made you sort of realize that but then also what are some steps that you started to do to start building up more confidence? Because I think sometimes people can think confidence has to be like a Grant cut-on, yeah. like a Gary Vee, right? But you can also be confident in your own sort of introverted way in, in unique uh, ability as well. So, what are some ways that you started to actually learn how to be more comfortable in networking and all those kinds of
0: things? Well, the thing is like when you first, I don't know, when you're a young kid, you sort of like, you you realize that you are shy. Like, for me, I was, like, in an all-boys school. I played sports 24-7. Like, I trained morning, lunch, and afternoon. I was in the first for, like, rugby, rowing, and all that stuff. So, you really didn't have, a, like, a social life. So, for me, being in an all-boys school and then coming out of it and then going, oh, there's a girl there. Like, how do I talk to him? <laughs>
1: Hi. <laughs> Hi. What do I say? <laughs> Can I have your number? <laughs>
0: but it's all, like, in theory, like, when you look at, like, some of the books I've read in the past, like, when you start reading them, you're, like, Oh, okay. I start understanding it. Because like when you sort of like look at, say if you read like a, what book was it? There was a sales book I was reading and then I was reading like the game Mm -hmm. and the sales book was pretty much aligned with like the game. It was like the certain ways of you doing body language, the peacock, like the whole uh, persona of yourself have you ever
1: done the peacock did you ever go through that thing I, I'm aware of it but I've never brought myself
0: to actually if be if you lying. saw the shoes and clothes <laughs> that he used to wear I'll probably have a photo on my phone <laughs> I look like a rock star <laughs> <laughs> I love, I love it. <laughs> but it was because uh, when I, I think when I was in clubs um, it was gay to wear white shoes really? yeah I love white shoes. And like, I have white like, shoes on right now. Yeah. And even like in Brisbane, like, like in Brisbane, like if you wore a suit, you're a gay. And right. I love suits. Like I just love dressing up in a suit. But now living on the Gold Coast, I love just wearing shorts and a shirt. Mm. So when I was talking about the peacocking and all that sort of stuff, like it's more learning how to dress well because it's all about confidence. Yes. Like it's like business. If you're confident, you can sell. If you're not confident, you're not going to sell. And I found like when I was like reading two books and that's what I find a lot of people usually do is I focus reading on one book. Um, I like to read two books that have a similarity but do different styles of like um, training and it gives me two perspectives. And especially like when you like read like, I know, like um, the highly effective habits of successful people with Tim Ferriss and that book and then The Secret. And when you read like that, The Habit of Successful People and then The Secret, it's all about belief. And then it's all about mindset and all that sort of stuff. So when you start, and also having habits, and then I was like, okay, now understanding more and more. But for me, it was like, how can I action these quickly and learn quickly? So I did like NLP books and all this different stuff, and I was like, how can I be in front of people more? And that's when I sort of said to myself, to get out of this shyness, I was like, okay, where do people go the most? Nightclubs. Would I be confident to work in a nightclub? No. Do I know how to make cocktails? No. So I was like, okay, I saw a job in a newspaper. I was like, oh, a bar job at Monastery is a nightclub. I was like, cool, go and apply for it. And I'll go there and they're like, yeah, yeah, you can have a job. Cool. And I'm like, yeah, okay, sweet. Get in there. Start making some drinks. They teach you how to make some cocktails. After a while, like I was like really good at it. I was like, fuck, this is awesome. It's a lot of fun because I get to talk to people, and get to analyze people, ask questions. I want to ask a quick
1: question yes. in there. You not having much confidence, yes. right? Saw an ad saying, here's a job for something that I can't actually do. Yeah. But you still backed yourself enough to go, fuck it. I'm going to figure it out. Yeah, Right? So, how, what was the thought process around that? Because so many people, <laughs> so many people see amazing opportunities in their life. And they cheat themselves out and they justify and be like, oh, no, that's reserved for those kinds of people. I can't do that. That's not for me. Instead of going, well, how could I figure it out? So, what was your thought process around that?
0: Probably the same thing when I play rugby. That guy's bigger than me, but I can tackle harder. So... (laughs) To look into your strengths. Yeah. Yeah. So, basically, I always had a belief. It's like affirmation. I always had an affirmation that I can overcome anything. So, I always said to myself, no matter what, there's a solution. Mm. So... What is that of fear? Like a lot of people have this issue of fear of trying something. Like for me as a kid and I read, I can't remember where I read it, but it basically like, said, like I think it might be even Robert Kiyosaki. If you say take action and do something and you fail and you're 18, what is the worst thing that could happen? Pretty much move back home, live with mom. yeah. Mom's yeah. Got a mum. Yeah. you got a head, you got a house over your head. Like yeah. it's, you've got food for you. I think if you're 18, 16, whatever young age, still living at home, Take the biggest risks you can possibly take now so that later on you don't have to, like, it's going to be easy for you. Because, like, I've sold a business literally, what was it, two years ago, had no business. I was like, oh, yeah, cool. And everyone's like, fuck, what are you going to do? I'm like, oh, I was going to sort it out. I'll do something. Mm. Start a speaker agency. Matter of not, not even a year, we've done seven figures. Yeah. So, like, people fear stuff so much that it stops them from doing it. So, for me, like, I recommend people just take action because there's no fear as a mindset. It's when you actually, I don't know, not a stupid decision to jump off a house. Yes, that's fear, but that's a different type of fear.
1: Which is actually, there's only two human, there's actually two real fears that yeah. every human is born with. And it's the fear of loud noises mm. and the fear of falling because that's why you can scream at a baby <laughs> and start to cry or you can drop a baby. And it starts to cry. Trust me, I've done both, right? You
0: dropped a baby? <laughs> no, I should never so hide it. Cut yeah. that out. <laughs> cut. No,
1: um, but that, that's the thing and everything else we learn, right? Mm. So, that's why like it kind of does make sense if you are... Uh, I think when some people say the fear of uh, heights and stuff, mm. I think they're actually associated to, well, I could actually fall, which is real. Yeah. But then if you're jumping out of an airplane, there is some fear there, mm. okay? And uh, I love balancing between finding what scares the shit out of me and then find that sweet spot where it's yeah. like, I love, like, because we're still in control of our mind. Mm. We're in control of every single thing. If, and if we're scared of something, and this is scary, it's like, that's the, our, our old part of our brain saying, stop, fight or flight, saying stop, this isn't going to end well. And then you can use your, your own conscious awareness to be like, no, it's okay, I've got this, mm. step aside right now, and then take that, like you said, action. Yeah. And every single thing I, I've done as well, it's like, action just breeds certainty. Yeah. And I think so many people are waiting around. For certainty that comes, it's like they wake yeah. up one day and think, "Okay, oh, I'm certain today. I'm confident today. Now yeah. I'm going to do it." But that comes Never happens after action.
0: Yeah, because you can fix things as you go. So my theory is like, why are you so scared of it? Find the reasons why you're scared of it, and then fix it. Because like I don't know, like if you go and it's a calculated risk, you need to do a calculated risk. Like it is a risk to jump off a house. But if I was jumping off a house and I saw a pool, mm-hmm. that's a calculated risk, knowing that I'm going to jump in a pool. But I could go down and check the pool, see how deep it is, and then go back up again and then jump.
1: Yeah. And push somebody off push Ray off <laughs> first. And then if he survives it,
0: that's well calculated. I wouldn't do that. <laughs> I'd lose my best operator. Yeah. <laughs> but that's the whole thing about fear. It's about having tests in the water. You need to test the water. Like when you start a business, you also need to do testing. So you can test and do market research to see if there's a demand for it. So, you go out there and do your research for a business. You don't just start a business and go, hey, I'm going to start a, I don't know, a business washing bins, which people make a lot of money from. But you go, hey, on. Actually, every person in the world lives in a house or apartment, has a bin. So, there is a big market for it. Who wants to do that job? Not many people want to do that job. It's a shit job. But if I do it, I'm going to still make a lot of money because no one else wants to do it. And so, that's where I learned from like Adam Hudson, who's like a... Amazon genius, mm. he basically, he did a summit where he was basically talking about like selling products. He sold products that people didn't want to sell or even be proud to sell. Like he would sell like a, his, I mean, what, what are the bags with we like, the in? Oh uh, yeah,
1: I remember you were talking about this. But he would yeah. actually go through airports with it
0: and be like, and people are like, why have you got this? And he's like, I sell it. <laughs> and he, he's just like, he's confident because it's like, no one else wants to, yeah. but I make a lot of money from it. <laughs> that's ballsy.
1: Like, that. that's one thing I learned from, uh, I think, actually watching Undercover Billionaire. Yeah, yeah. And the Greg Sterns guy, he said in one of his first episodes, he's like, I need to create, I need to sell a product. He's like, I need to make some money. Mm. He's like, but I'm not just going to go and buy a product and start selling it. Well, he did actually, and he realized, he's like, I fucked up my first, is it my mm. number one rule of business? Go and find my audience first. Yes. Go and find people who's going to buy my stuff and then create something for them to buy. Mm. And that's, I, Every single thing I do, I operate from that that out first. Yeah. Everything I'm doing with the podcasting and everything. And now I've got my podcast course. So I'm teaching you how to build a podcast for that exact reason. So I'm like, you might have a dream. You might have a brand or you might even have a product that you want to sell one day. Mm. But focus in building your audience first, building an engaged audience. And then you can test and measure because I think people make the mistake of falling in love mm. with their own business or their own product. And then mm. like, this is so amazing. Everybody should buy it. And then yeah. they do the testing and it's like, fuck three people want to buy it and one's my mom you know and it's about building that audience first right and mm. then testing measuring inside of your field to see if there's actually kind of pain points there right
0: on that note you just said then build your audience build your personal brand because mm. man no matter what business you do you can get your audience to invest in it yeah so, an asset, right? yeah so you look at yourself as an asset so you should invest like a percentage of your revenue into building your personal brand so like like with Ray and myself, we do a lot of video content and content creation. We pay an our, our expensive videographer to create content for us all the time. And we see the return on investment tenfold all the time because that helps our engagement. That helps people understand who we are more and it just gives you more brand awareness. And because a lot of people don't know your story, even like jumping on doing this podcast with you, you're going to put it out on social media. That's going to help build my personal brand. People are going to understand me more. And when they understand me more, they're going to relate and go, oh, fuck, he actually used to work in a truck. He, like he worked in a club. Like he always hasn't been an entrepreneur. Like people sometimes think they're, they're successful just from get-go. Yeah.
1: So they see they see the glory but they don't hear the story, right? Yeah. That's what we're about on this show. <laughs> <clears throat> Dude, you, you've networked with some of the most freaking badass people. You know, now you're working with Joel Brown. He's got yeah. one of the biggest self-development and success podcasts in the whole world. Yes. Um, millionaire Mentor. Jordan Belfort, what are some networking tips you have? How, how, how can you start from where you are <laughs> and start networking with some of the top dogs, that, that some of your dream clients?
0: The thing is like I found networking is very easy for me for now, but when it wasn't easy for me, it was about how can I add more value to them? So, you go look at, okay, how can I add more value? And that's when I started working in clubs. It's like people saw me as the person that can give them the VIP entrance that gets them the VIP booth, that gets them like some free drinks sometimes. But I didn't have to get them free drinks. Like I had guys from Dubai who had wealth coming out, but they kept on coming back to the club I worked at, not just because I gave them a VIP booth, not because I just um, was a good guy, it's because I understood who they were. I asked them about questions about them. I'd analyze them and find out what type of person they are and what they're looking for. Because when they go to clubs, like a, cl- a guy is either going to a club to pick up, network, or just to have fun. And so, and when you go, okay, if they're going to pick up, what type of girls do they like? So, is it like, do they like a slutty girl or do they like a nice girl? Do they just want a girl just they can chat to or do they want a girl they want to dance with? And then you go, okay, well, this is the type of girl they want. I'll go and find those girls and pair them up. And you did that. You'd go scout for these guys on the
1: dance floor and yeah, be they... like, hey, baby. <laughs> you <gotta> meet... <laughs> have you met my friend, Abdul?
0: <laughs> but the thing is, I, I didn't have to go and scout because... I'd always look after the girls and make sure they had a good night as well because like they always want to feel safe. And that's one thing girls had issues with when in work and, like when they go out partying is that a lot of guys with sleeves on them that have a lot of issues. So in our club that we had, we had private rooms that were hidden. We had VIP lounges. So we could put them in a booth and put them on a rope around them. They could dance where they want. And if they wanted to meet guys, they'd tell me, hey, we want to meet some nice guys. I'm like, cool, I'll find some nice guys for you. And then go get them, bring them in, introduce them. Tell them a bit about each other so then they have a conversation to start talking about because in theory, I was more of a matchmaker because mm. most people go out to pick up. Like Cupid. Yeah. And that was my theory of like I never hook up with anyone that I worked with like or, like at the clubs because your reputation is really important because if you slept with one girl, then they'll tell 10 girls and then that will be like tenfold. Yeah. So, you sort of want to make sure that your reputation is important and that's where like a lot of people like did think they to do drugs and everything like that but I didn't really care because- I knew for myself that I didn't do it. So I was like, I didn't have to worry about what other people are thinking, but you do think about what other people think about. But his actions is always better. So when I was working in clubs, like the guy from Dubai, I, I, I was like, how do you make all this money? And he would come with like $100 bills, like just wads of it. I'm like, how do you make money? And he goes, I go to Dubai, I buy all the gold and jewelry and everything like that, wear big gold necklaces and bracelets. And I'm like, okay. Then I go back to UK, then I melt all the gold and then I create iPhone cases that are all gold and I sell them for X amount of dollars. I'm like, you what? He goes, yeah, gold in Dubai is really cheap. But then you go back to UK, you melt it all and you make products out of it and you sell it and you make money from that and I'm like, Oh, that's a good idea.
1: That'd make your iPhone even more expensive if you lose it, right? Yeah. Day, eh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the
0: people are wanting that like in that sort of high-end net worth, like people wanting custom watches, custom like iPhones and all that sort of stuff. So, when you start talking to people and understanding what they do for making money, that helped me understand what I wanted to do more because I always like would go to someone and go, even male or female, I'd go, hey, what do you do? Da-da-da, and ask certain questions and how they got there. And then you'd go, oh, okay, cool. And then you sort of like, they're like, Oh, you actually want to know what I do? I'm like, yeah, because a lot of people talk about themselves. Mm. It's all about like when you start thinking about it, people love talking about themselves. So if you get the right questions, they'll just keep giving you more information. So I naturally had these mentors at nightclubs. Yeah. So when I had like, and I know, will, I am there. I like, will, I am like, sitting there with a notebook and he's drawing and writing constantly. I'm like, hey, bro, what are you doing with your journal or book all the time? He goes, oh, I just write all my ideas down. I dump it because. If you don't write it, you forget it after like a minute. Like wow. you think about it. If you don't have a journal or a book or something to write things with you, you have an idea. You go, oh, I'll remember it later. Mm. You later go, fuck, what was that idea? It was a good idea, but what was it? And from then, I was like, oh, I've always got a, a book with me. Like I've got this beautiful like LV journal. that I just like have them for my notes and all of stuff. So you get to learn more and more from people. So with networking, it's important for you to go out and learn from people. So like – with podcasting, it's really good because you can go, "Hey, I want to interview for my podcast." Yeah. For me, like I've got um, the ability with Miller Mentor with the publication now, I can go, "Hey, I'd love to interview for the publication for Miller Mentor." It's got to reach 7.3 million people, so yeah. Would you like to be interviewed? Like, fuck yeah, okay,
1: <laughs> yeah. Bring it, bring a value out. That, that's what I've noticed as well. Like I mm. had freaking Les Brown on this com- uh, on this show the other day, and and just and when we finished recording before and when we finished recording, mm. personal conversations with him. Yeah, him and I'm meeting his son and everything like this like it's just it's crazy like networking like mm. I, th- I think networking is such an undervalued skill that people should really be focusing on networking mm. adding value to people getting around the right people yeah and that's how you just I, I always like to ask people I say who do you know that I should know <laughs> and then the people I get to meet from that nah, is just freaking crazy
0: 100% and that's where like the other thing with networking you can create your own events so I always create my own events I always have big fashion events because I was like I want to do fashion so I'm like I want to meet all the designers and all this stuff. So I'd go to the club and go, hey, I'm gonna, this night, Thursday night, I'm going to run the biggest fashion event. I want to bring all these fashion labels in, all the trendsetters, and then I'd have this packed-out club and line down the street with like big fashion show. And then I got to meet all these people and fashion designers. Like, Saf Brothers had their own 5AM um, and Sushi Radio, I think it was called their like fashion brand. And so you, you got to chat to them and hang out with them more, and then I had that brand in my clothing store. So, it was a really good way of like when I launched my clothing, like my actual clothing store, when I was like, I think I was 20. Mum told me to buy a house. And I was they like, They do that, don't they? Yeah. Mum's like, get a haircut, get a real job, <laughs> and buy a house. And I was like, Fuck no. <laughs> I was like, because I had a mate of mine, his dad was like the founder of Good Life Gym, which is a massive, big gym. And then he bought the rights for Snap Fitness, Australia, New Zealand, and all sorts of stuff. And he always said to me, Buy a business before a house. Yeah, And when he said that to me, I was like, I'm not listening to my parents. My parents, do not like super successful. They're just like average people. So, he was super successful. He had a super yacht, massive big house. He had the lifestyle that I wanted. I'm like, I'm going to listen to him. Mm-hmm. I'm going to buy a business over a house because that business can buy me a house. But that business, it only cost me 25 grand to set up Fuck. my first business. So, it wasn't that expensive. And then my rent for that space was only about 500 bucks uh, a month. Um, but it was pretty cool because I had it next door to a gym. So, it was like this big three-level gym called Fitness First and I had my clothing store right next door to it. So, that uh, my theory was like, hey, I don't care where it is. I want it next to a gym because people who go to the gym, they want to look good. They want to go partying. So, I'm like, hmm, I work in a club, have a clothing store. I can tell people, hey, come to my store. I'll dress you. Oh, you're in the fitness app? Yeah? Cool. Like come next door and I'll address you and I'll also give VIP treatment at a club. Yeah. So it was a One way One-stop shop. <laughs> yeah. It was like, well, you can wear like the Safra Brothers clothes or these other brands I had. Um, and it was just basically, it was a way of networking because I added value all the time. And I just found like I naturally just started networking and that's why like if you have value of some type, yeah. it's a lot easier. Yeah. And that's where you don't have fear as well. You can't have fear and go and talk to someone. Just go and talk to someone. Like if a celebrity is walking past, be polite and go up to them and if you want to talk to them, but also be smart about it. Like don't waste their time because time's yeah. valuable. Yeah. Dude, this has been fucking awesome.
1: Uh, and I'm so glad you're able to come in here and have some fun with us today and, and dive into all this. So, thanks so much for jumping on the show. Where can everybody find you, follow you and hang out with you?
0: Pretty much Wade Fox. <laughs> across everything. <laughs> At Wade Instagram. Fox. Yeah, across everything.
1: Yeah, I love it, dude. All right, man. To wrap up, wrap up, wrap up? wrap
0: up this interview <laughs> no you got to wrap now you said wrap
1: yeah wrap wrap yeah, wrap to wrap up this interview I got one final question for you yes. are you ready yes if you were to go back to your 18 year old self and uh, and give him 30 seconds of advice yeah what would it be
0: invest everything in fucking stocks and crypto <laughs> <laughs> buy Tesla buy Apple buy all the crypto stuff back then because it would have been like a shitload more but it's just like to go back to myself yes because Inver- I didn't really invest in stocks until probably in my early 30s, um, which was a silly thing because I just invested in businesses. I was kept on business, business, business. But I didn't really go into learning into stocks and crypto and anything like that. Anything like that. But when I decided to um, do crypto, I threw myself in the deep end again. I was like, cool, I've got the ability to do CEO, CFO for a business and I saw a job for a CFO role for a basically a crypto company Um, with the blockchain and i basically said hey i can come in and company and help you fix anything up with it the investor invested over a million dollars in this company and they're blowing money left right and center Goes, i need to fix this company it's wasting too much money i need you to like figure out what's going on and i had to get into deep into this blockchain company and i just learned everything and it was so good to just throw yourself into it and that's what the thing is like as an 18 year old do something without any fear like just do it Like, that's probably two things is, like, invest in, like, liquidity investments, so stocks and crypto, and then also just do stuff without any fear. Because if I did that more when I was younger, I'd be a lot more successful at a younger age. Like, I think that's why, like, Ray and yourself, like, are successful at a younger age, because you adapted a lot younger to overcome fears,